Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right. Uh, it's uh, really nice to have this wonderful man in our studio. His lovely bride is here as well. But we're not going to put her to work. She's just going to watch him make a fool of himself, folks. That's right. <laughs> but no, he's really good at what he does. And I have a lot of respect for Steve Rapaski, Bee Control of Pittsburgh. Of course, uh, meadow, uh, sweet uh, uh, honey as well. And of course, uh, where you can find out more at... Uh, uh, meadowsweetbees.com. A lot of information here. We're going to get into some conversation with him. And then coming up in the second half hour of the program, we're going to be joined by Nancy Kanoss. She is a Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator. But we're going to begin talking bees with Steve. So if you have any question about how do you get more bees to pollinate your beautiful garden, your plants, flowers, this is the guy that you want to call. Maybe you need to get him in check. you got some uh, hornets, a wasp, some yellow jackets, people doing some serious damage to your yard, and more importantly, keeping people out of your yard, not letting you enjoy that living space outdoors. He can handle that as well, too. So he does a pest control business as well. So if you have any questions for Steve, call us, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, Instant Access, kdkradio.com. And we always begin the show by giving you an opportunity to win a $25 gift certificate from the good folks at Sorgles, 41 Now, you got to be the 10th caller to win that. You're probably wondering, where is Doug and Jess? I've been telling you the last couple of days, social media and here on the radio, they are both out of town, busy. So it's you and I and Steve, and then Nancy will join us in the second half hour of the program. So we're flying solo. So this is a golden opportunity for you folks to call in and talk to Steve. This is a busy time of year for you, especially now that the well, the little critters are more active and you got the warm weather too, right? It is. It's a very big, busy season, Rob. Um, you know, we started off early with cold and wet and things were tempered and uh, all of a sudden heat, moisture, two things that insects love and uh, we took off. You know, wasp and hornets are nesting, they're going crazy. Um, of course, we had that little interlope of cicadas that showed up and fortunately that wasn't an issue you know we didn't have to deal with that as far as pest control is concerned uh but the honeybees are active they're bringing in lots of honey which is fantastic to see and uh you know we're we're running as my parents always tell me i'm burning my candle at both ends and in the middle so i know you can't tell people no and your wife has to take the call set the scheduling up so she's really busy but, but what really is the biggest problem right now? Is it, And you were talking about nectar, the lack of it, just a few moments ago, a little video we did. We'll get to that. But but are, are people just being terrorized them by these critters because there's more of them now? There's more of them this time of year, for sure. And uh, it is terrorizing because people have a fear of insects, plain and simple. It uh, doesn't matter what type of Well, with all due respect, yellow jackets, hornets, and wasps, you've got to be fearful. You've got to have respect that you're in their habitat, and you've got to get a professional handle. Absolutely, yeah. They, you are in their habitat, and they are when they start to nest, they become defensive. Um, they're defensive to begin with, or aggressive to begin with, but they certainly become, become more defensive. And when they're, you know, you're trying to enjoy your deck on these nice 
evenings and, yeah. and have a drink and and you've got they don't, they don't care about you being there they want to they want to be there and they're going to let you know um even if they're under your deck you know you're walking around and and whatnot and and i think the biggest challenge is education when it comes down to it i mean society has a fear of stinging insects in general mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what it is it's we call it a bee and you know there's 400 species of bees in pennsylvania that's not including the wasp and hornets and yellow jackets and bumblebees and, and all those other things so the the challenge we have now is one calming down the fear of people when people call we call this our emergency season because every call that comes in help they yeah yep i need i have bees i need you here how fast can you get here and you know bee control we pride ourselves in being able to respond rapidly and, and assist uh but we're also fortunate because of my background knowledge in the the beneficial stinging insects the honeybees you know the natives the bumblebees so you know calming people down again to take a deep breath and then walking them through that problem and solving it regardless of what that may be um it's a challenge to educate people because that fear takes over and you have to get them to calm down a little bit you know and really there is a big difference between some of the different species that we've mentioned and we do need the honeybees but i've also been one to say look if a yellow jacket's not bothering me let him go about his business. The same with hornets and wasps. And if the nest obviously gets to where my family could be in danger, then I would call someone. But I think a lot of times we just have to accept, you know, hey, they were here longer than a lot of us. So we just kind of have to learn to accept it, respect it at all times. But when does it become, in your opinion, a situation where they need to call you? Yeah, that's a good question, Rob. Uh, when it becomes a problem is when they decide ultimately. And, and you're right to a point that we have to accept and, and that the, these insects are around. We get calls about yellow jackets on flowers of holly bushes all the time. In that case, they're foraging. They're not bothering anybody. But as soon as they start nesting, that's when you need to call. But that When you walk out your back door and you see that little paper wasp hanging from your umbrella of your patio you know, furniture, that nest can continue to grow over the next three months. So you all you want to stop it before it gets worse. It's kind of hearing those squeaky brakes mm-hmm. in your car. You don't wait till it starts to grind, and you have to end up replacing rotors, brakes, and everything else. As soon as you notice there's a potential problem, that's when you need to call. But there is a a understanding of where do you see these insects. You know, I have unfortunately people that call and they're in their gardens, and you know, I've got bees in my garden. Well, that's a good thing, right? And Doug will tell you that. It's good to have all these different insects. Uh, but as soon as you see that type of nesting activity, whether you see the nest, whether you see them coming and going from a very specific spot on your house, that's when you need to call. At least have us assess it. It may not be a problem. Um, it may be a problem that's potentially getting bigger. And that's when they, when they need to call. And of course, I encourage my customers all the time, pick up the phone and call. It doesn't cost you anything to call me and say, Here's, a, here's what we have going on. Is it a problem? Is it not a problem? We could assess it over the phone initially and then go from there. Steve Rapaski, my guest, uh, Bee Control of the Pittsburgh. We're also going to talk about the business of honey. We'll get to that in a little bit, but I want to focus on what he's really best at. If you have a question, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, Instant Access, kdkradio.com. We, we keep thinking of these nests being outside, but they can actually get indoors too. They can, and, and this is the time of year where most insects, uh, namely our yellow jackets and wasps and hordes, are just starting to nest. Right now, a yellow jacket nest is about the size of a small tennis ball, between a ping pong ball and tennis ball. You're not going to notice that, especially if they're nesting in your walls of of the house. And that's very common with yellow jackets. And unfortunately, the time that we notice those nests is when it's too late, when it's August and there's 1,500 or 2,000 yellow jackets in your wall, chewing through the drywall, gaining access to your living space. 
that's often when we notice them. So what I encourage homeowners to do now is be vigilant. When you're out mowing the grass, you know, don't just stare in front of you what you're mowing. Take a look around the roof line of the house. Watch behind your shutters. Take a look under the deck because those are areas that you're going to see activity this time. So, Steve, are you telling me, and, and this, I'm curious, even when they are the size of a tennis ball, that the homeowner really shouldn't try to remove that themselves? No, because even if it's that small, um, you know, I talk to a lot of wives whose husbands are... I get it. Being husbands. I get right? it. We're yeah. not always as smart as we look sometimes. I can handle it. Right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> me too. And, the um, famous last words. Yeah, I get told all the time, my honey-do list keeps getting larger. <laughs> um, yeah, the, you have to remember, even though it's small, those insects are very aggressive. They sting multiple times. So even a, a nest that's the size of a tennis ball, you might have upwards of a dozen individuals. And if you don't do a removal correctly or you're not prepared in how many insects are actually available to come after you, you can get lit up pretty good. And, you know, there's more insects flying around than what's just at the nest. So they also fly at night, which is another issue. And on a much more serious topic, there are a lot of people, and I have friends and uh, relatives who are allergic to these things that can be deadly. So unless you have prior, you know, experiences to know you're allergic, I I wouldn't risk it because it could be a lot more than just being sore. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because sometimes it's just one sting. It might take four stings. Uh, You don't know. You don't want to take that chance. And and also, above and beyond that, is you could actually exasperate the problem and make it worse, which then ends up costing you more because, the you know. I've often wondered this. These must be smart little critters because how is it that they know when when they come out of that nest that you're the one that shook things up and they're coming after you? How How do they find you? They're intelligent creatures. I'll and that's what's fascinating. That's why I got they into the... They see the whole thing. They, yeah, I mean, they see shapes, they see movements, and you're the one that's going after it. Um, bald-faced hornets, for example, they're so mean that I've had large nests that are attached outside of a bathroom window, for instance, and somebody walks by that bathroom window and they actually start bouncing off that window because they think that you're just being annoyed to them. So, you know, it, there's a lot of things there, but yeah, they, they know how to come after you and guess what? You can't run that fast. So they're so. just kind of like thugs. I mean, they just look for trouble. They are. The wasp and hornets and yellow jackets are the thugs of the insect world. They just, uh, you know, they're predators. They feed on other insects. So guess what? You know, but is there, we got to get to a break, but is there a reason for them in this whole ecological system that we call the world? Absolutely. There's always a reason for all of them. It just so happens that when our two worlds collide, it becomes a problem. Mud daubers is a species of wasp. They eat spiders. That's all they do. There's, there's a benefit there, right? Especially if you don't like spiders like wow. I do. But yeah, there's a, there is an absolute uh, benefit to those insects. Some of them pollinate to a certain extent, um, but they control other insects. You know, some of these bad bugs that Jess talks about in the garden are fed upon by these other bad bugs that we call, you know, the yellow jackets and wasps. I want to get back to uh, something that's much more delicious and easy to digest, and that's what he does in the honey business when we come back. But if you have a question, 866-391-1020. Congratulations to Mary Leah Beaver, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. We'll have one to give away worth $25 from Janoski's in just a little bit. Steve's going to be here to the bottom of the hour. And then Nancy Canoss, the Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator, why she loves gardening, how she got started, what the program's all about. She'll be with me in studio for the second half half hour of the program today doug and jess both enjoying a well-deserved day off they'll be back with you next week july 7th on kdka radio doug and jessica teach you how to keep it green the organic gardeners are on kdka radio
All right, uh, Steve Rapaski here, Doug and Jess off the Organic Gardeners on the air. Nancy Canoss will be joining us for the second half hour, a Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator. We're going to find out all about that great organization. So you, you do this other thing, and, and I said to the audience, uh, meadowsweetbees.com, Meadowsweet, uh, Swickley's Farmer Market, Farmer's Market, you're out there selling it. People seem to love it. You've brought it in before. I've had a spoonful of it. Pretty delicious. Plus, you're, you're raising these bees. you got the business. Uh, Tell me how you have time for all this. I, I don't know, Rob. <laughs> I don't. You know, my, I've always been accused by my parents, and I mentioned this earlier. You know, I burn my candle at both ends and twice in the middle. Right. It's just, it's what I do. And during the summer months from mid-March through November, it's run, 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 run. You know, I'm up at, you know, not as bad as you in the morning, but... Pretty close. I'm, uh, yeah, close. I'm out the door at 6. I'm, you know, come back at eight thirty, nine o'clock, and attempt to have dinner and sit and relax and, and talk but, to my but wife. Listen, but, obviously you don't need it. It's got to be the love of, you know, being a beekeeper. I guess that's what yeah, call it's, them. Yep. you call You just enjoy that that whole process, I do. right? I do. You know, and we, we've we kept, my my parents kept, or my dad kept bees. And my, you know, my parents still live on a farm in Armstrong County. And he's still, he's in, you know, he's picked up that passion again. Um, and that's where I got it from. You know, my parents were always dedicated to uh, what they did and did it because they loved doing it. And that from everything from our culture, being Croatian to farming to, you know, just living life. And uh, that's passed on and I do it. And, and, you know, sometimes I think about, I, you know, boy, if I could only have just two beehives now, how nice that would be. But I, I sit there and if I have two hours free, I don't know what to do with myself. So, not only does it keep me busy, it is the the passion of doing what I do. You know, working with people, solving problems, working with bees, especially. You know, it's I, there's nothing better than standing in the middle of a bee yard with five million bees flying around you, smelling it, hearing it, and just doing it. And uh, you know, that's me. That's my passion. Well, and and the honey does really well for you. But you've just got so much else going on. Uh, and and how can people actually get this honey? Is it going to Swickley the only way? Yeah, so I'm fortunate. I, I keep most of my bees uh, between Moon and Swickley Heights and all you know along the river and whatnot. And um, I was able to get into the Swickley Farmers Market about seven years ago uh, through some very good friends of mine, Robert and Jenny uh, Steffes. And uh, I took over for them and built a great clientele and we sell we sell at the swickley farmers market the second and last saturday of each month and uh, we've been asked to come back even more frequently because it's just you know one thing leads to another and people want our honey they want our lip balms and candles so if they can't find us at swickley farmers market the second and last saturday of the month um, they can get a hold of me through my website i don't do a lot of internet e-commerce because it it's just one more thing I don't have time for but certainly i can arrange to to meet them they can pick it up and you know it's and i have great Listen, I could do 10 hours with you. We got people that want to talk to you. Sure. Before we get to them, real quick, you were talking about lack of nectar in Hummingbird. Oh. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, quick. so this time of year, I've already had one phone call, and there'll be more coming. Is uh, With the, the rain and, and soon to be no rain, I would expect we enter what's called a nectar dearth, which, which is where the flowers uh, literally stop or slow down producing enough nectar that make them attractive uh, to the honeybees. So the honeybees are out searching for other sources of, of sweetness. And of course, the nectar is what we make our, our honey from. But when the nectar slows down, we harvest the honey. The bees are, are searching for more and more. And uh, oftentimes, you know, bad backyard birders and gardeners have their hummingbird feeders up and what are we feeding our hummingbirds? We're feeding them a, a simple type of a nectar made out of sugar and water. So uh, we end up getting these calls where honeybees invade the hummingbird feeders and they bully the hummingbirds away. And you end up with several hundred flying around the hummingbird feeders. And uh, it's just a result of there being a lack of nectar and the bees are searching out other places. And, and this, the 
the problem to, or the, the how to fix that problem is to just basically get rid of the hummingbird feeder for a week or, or find these feeders that are bee resistant or bee proof. And there's plenty on the market, but that's that's coming up here within the next few weeks. We'll start seeing more and more of that. Steve Rapaski, my guest, Bee Control of Pittsburgh. Let's take a quick call before the bottom of the hour. Let's go out to Vanderbilt and say hi to Ann. Ann, welcome to the Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Uh, I want to know if um, the ground bees, someone, I was mowing grass, uh, it's been a, a few years back, and someone said if I let go of the lawnmower, that was what they were following, is the noise. And I got really bit up real bad. They had to rush me to the hospital. If I let that lawnmower go, would that have stopped them? Hi, good morning, Ann, and thanks for the question. Yeah, the, you know, with yellow jackets, and that's what we're calling ground bees. Uh, it's a Pittsburgh term. Uh, yellow jackets, we call those ground bees. Often, uh, they do go after that lawnmower because of the one you're disturbing the nest. They're coming after the vibrations and the noise and and things like that. Um, so. Getting away from that nest as fast as possible is ideal. Uh, we've actually had customers, Rob, where um, they've gotten stung on the riding mower and they've left the riding mower in in place. <laughs> so when we show up to take care of the yellow jacket nest on the ground, we also have to move the lawnmower and get to the nest. I've actually had lawnmowers go over hills because people just jump off while they're riding. and boom. So uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry to hear that you got stung, and That's the nature of the beast with yellow jackets. But if that happens, the best advice is get out of there as fast as possible, even if you have to abandon that lawnmower. Give us a call at Bee Control, and, and we can certainly assist you. Listen, I can't thank you enough for coming in, and it's always a joy. You bring a lot of passion. It was nice to meet your wife, and I hope we have a chance to do it again, either on this show or one of my shows. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be here, Rob. I enjoy spending time with you and certainly you know how to get a hold of me great people you're croatian she's orthodox you got it made are you kidding me i i can't ask for a better life <laughs> no and you're keeping bees making honey it's all good <laughs> all right stay with us folks because nancy canos will be here you don't want to miss this as we continue with the organic gardeners doug and jess enjoying the day off this is kdk radio doug and jessica teach you how to keep it green the organic gardeners are on kdka radio Nancy Knaus is here, Pennsylvania State Master Garden Coordinator. Going to talk to her in just a moment. Doug and Jess enjoying a well-deserved day off. Meantime, if you're the 10th caller, you want a $25 gift certificate from my friends at Janoski's. Call us now, 412-922-1020. We just had a great conversation discussing Penn State, my son going there, obviously the great connection to what these people do. And I just told her moments ago, in my little community of Beaver County, I see the work that these people are doing, incredible work all the time, and the beauty that they bring to this region, whether it be Beaver County, Allegheny County, you can't say enough good things about them. So it's great to have have you here today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Okay, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Master Garden Programming and give us some background about the program. All right. Um, first of all, the Master Gardener Program is a volunteer program. So the Master Gardener Program is associated generally with a land-grant university. Okay. In our case, it's Penn State University. And um, there are county extension offices throughout the 67 counties in Pennsylvania. 64 of them have master gardener programs. So um, in the extension offices, we have different educators. We may have an educator that deals with nutrition, food preservation. And in some of the rural counties, there may be equine educators, people that deal with poultry. So a variety of experts that can deal with some of your problems, as well as horticulture. So um, in 1972, in Washington State, there was an educator, a horticulture educator, 
who was actually overwhelmed with the number of home gardening questions that he was receiving. Every day he'd come into the office and he would have a stack of questions. And he was like, I, I can't get through all these questions. And if I would go on television or a radio show, the questions would double. So um, his name is David Gibby. And he uh, went to a garden club. And when he was at the garden club, he said, you know what? These people are pretty knowledgeable. Maybe I can enlist them to help me. So he came up with the idea of training people who are interested in gardening to help answer some of these questions. Smart. Smart yeah. man. Um, so he went back to his office and talked to the different educators and agents at the office, and they all agreed to train these folks to be master gardeners. So 47 years ago, they trained about 300 people to help answer gardening questions. The program has just grown since then. It's in every state, including Washington, D.C., Canada, South Korea, and we hope that um, the U.K. will start a program soon as well. There's um, some 90,000 volunteers. Last year, they volunteered about 6 million hours. So a lot of give back to their community. Yeah, I see these people working in the searing sun, dancing through the raindrops, and just down on their knees with trowel in hand and digging into Mother Earth. And I simply go, when I'm in a traffic jam, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, so my question is, Nancy Canas is here. She's the Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator. So how do you eventually become a Master Gardener so we actually can hold that title? So, as I mentioned, most of the counties have, um, at least in southwestern Pennsylvania, they have training classes. Usually the training classes begin in October, mm -hmm. and it's really an in-depth, extensive training. It can last up to, it, it varies somewhat from county to county, anywhere from 18 to 20 weeks, every week for two and a half to three hours on a different topic that... Um, they cover. So anything from soils, botany to perennials or herbaceous plants, turf grass, fruits, vegetables. So it's it's a very in-depth training. Um, there is an application process. Really anybody can um, take the class if you've got an interest in gardening. What we do want to discourage is it's not a training for somebody that's going into the industry professional. We're a volunteer training program. You got to get out there and what volunteer. What good people you are. <laughs> I, I never realized that you, they're out there just doing it because of the love of gardening. Because of the love of gardening and the camaraderie with others. It's just, it's a really great social organization for people, maybe who are retired and are looking for something to f fulfill their life. Well, they fulfill a lot of lives, especially those of us who love beautiful things, and we just sit there and watch them do it. Before we go any further, how can we help what you do, the, the person out there enjoying all of this beauty? Is there any way we can help promote, donate? What can we do? You certainly can donate to the program. For example, um, you know, in Beaver County, they you are from Beaver County, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have a large planting along the highway. Beautiful. Um, and that the plants are purchased, all the materials are purchased through donations and sponsorships. Um, so any kind of support that you can give to your county extension office is appreciated. We do get some funding from counties as well as the university. But to do these projects, you know, there's additional funding that's needed. And you know what? Just spread the news. Tell other people about the program because we're really there to serve the residents of our county and educate you on best gardening practices so that you do the right thing. 
Nancy Canales is here, Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator. And you're probably saying, why aren't Doug and Jess answering any, asking any questions? Well, folks, if they were here, they would be, and I'd just be listening like the rest of you. But they're actually enjoying some time off this weekend, so I'm really privileged to have her in studio with me. So here, here's the question a lot of people are probably asking right now. Is there a cost to this, and are there scholarships available? Right. Um, there is a cost. Um, I, it's really a minimal cost. It's $200 across the state. And um, it includes a manual. We have a training manual that comes with the class, as well as all of these sessions. And there are definitely scholarships available. I also want to mention, if you don't have the time to take the class, the manual's available for people to purchase through the university. You can just Google Penn State um, Master Gardener Manual. You can purchase one and learn on your own. Listen, we've got to get to a break. We have a lot more to uh talk about, but you and I were both talking about Penn State, an amazing university, and these branch campuses, which my son attends in Beaver, some of the best kept secrets in, in this region. Uh, people who have you know children graduating and they're wondering what they're going to do, uh, and they're thinking, man, that Penn State Maine's a little too big. They should take time to really investigate these branch campuses because they do incredible work. They do do incredible work, and it's a good transition before you hit main campus, which can be overwhelming. Yeah, a little overwhelming. Hey, uh, let's take a short break. We'll come back. Uh, and just uh, really uh, honored to have Nancy Canals here, Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator. So we'll come back. Lots more to get to on this edition of the Organic Gardeners. And of course, Doug and Jess off today, back with you next Sunday, July the 7th, uh, from 7 until 8 a.m. Stay with us. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. Nancy Canals here, and winner uh, Paul from Cannesburg, $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. These people, these volunteers, you, you really must just absolutely have a lot of respect and love for them. I mean, and what they do, the tireless work that they do, and I see it firsthand. And I just hope people as much as I do, and I told you this during the commercial break, long before I met Doug and Jess, I always appreciated the Penn State Master Gardeners, and I would talk about them on the radio, and I actually pulled over last year, talked to them, did a little video for social media, but they really make the whole thing work, don't they? They do. They give very, they give so much and so unselfishly, you can't, it's unbelievable how much time people volunteer. They're good people. Okay, how can I find out more about this stuff? Where, where do we go? So you could either call the Extension Office or look at the website, and you will be able to find out about um, training classes. Usually the training classes are going to be held in the fall starting in October in all the counties around um, in southwest Pennsylvania in this area. So what are the requirements to complete the training and uh, before you become a certified master gardener? So um, in addition to attending all the classes, and we, we actually do, if you're unable to attend some of the classes, we have webinars with recorded sessions from different educators across the state so you can just listen to one of the recorded webinars if you miss a session, or if there's a topic, let's say botany or soils that you found maybe a little confusing, you can go back and review it. Um, there are weekly take-home quizzes, and at the end there is a final exam that you need to score an 80% on. Because we wanna really make sure that people that are giving the information know their material. Um, now, the, the big thing is, as I mentioned, it's a volunteer program. So you um, need to volunteer 50 hours the first year. And oh, that's not that's a, Well, that's a lot of, a lot of time for, for some people. For a whole people. year, really? For the whole year. Okay. And a lot of people go well above that. There are people that put in hundreds of hours. Yeah, and, and, and especially when they retire from their real job. Right, right, right. It's, it's, very, it's very rewarding. 
and what, a lot of people build up strong friendships. So what are some of the things that they might volunteer doing okay. when they become a master gardener? So for example, um, we have youth programs, Okay. Um, teaching children about gardening, getting them involved, <laughs> going into schools, uh, camps. There are also lots of demonstration gardens. And I'll just talk a little bit about the demonstration gardens in North and South Park here in Allegheny County. The demonstration garden in North Park is actually a satellite of the research farm that we have in Landisville, Pennsylvania, that's associated with the university. So it actually, um, they trial plants there. There are um, seed companies and hybridizers that send Penn State plants and seeds that have not yet been released um, to the public for them to trial, to see if they would really be something that the public would like, that they would do well in our gardens. So the North Park um, Demonstration Garden also gets some of those plants. They trial them, the master gardeners evaluate them, and then the data is sent to the university. So um, in August, um, August 17th, you can go visit either the Demonstration Garden at North or South Park. It's a free day. It's called a field day. Um, you can look at the plants, the trial gardens. There are also tomato tasting. Master gardeners grow different varieties of tomatoes, so you can taste many different types of cherry tomatoes, slicing tomatoes, vote on your favorites. Same with garlic. I know Doug is a big garlic fan, so we have garlic and basil, different varieties that people can taste and sample. Um, there is uh, information on pollinators. You can bring your insect or disease problem in problems there to be diagnosed so it's a big educational event you can even taste some penn state creamery ice cream it's like the best of the best it really is paterno peach was pretty good too yeah that's one of the ones we yeah. always get it's a it's a favorite i, I can like. understand i can understand that so tell me about kind of summarize the benefits of this program if you will nancy so um we did a uh, survey about why people take the master gardener program and the number one reason was for education People may be retired or they really may be interested in learning more about maintaining their own garden. So education is a big component. So we really provide lots of education, not only with basic training, mm -hmm. but afterwards. There are diagnostic webinars that people can listen to on a monthly basis. So at the university, um, some of the researchers may say, okay, you know, we've seen that there's an outbreak of late blight, for example, on tomatoes. We need to get that to the homeowners so they provide webinars, tell the master gardeners, these are some of the symptoms of the disease. This is what homeowners can do. So that information trickles down. Um, we have conferences. There's a pollinator in service that master gardeners can attend at the university. So we have a really strong connection with the university that provides us with all the resources. But in addition to that education, I think there's those lifelong friendships and the social aspects of the group that are really special that bring a lot to people's, uh, enrich people's lives. You know, there's a reason why agriculture is the number one commodity. Farmers are the best. They're the driving force. Agriculture, Penn State, nobody does it better. I see it firsthand with Jessica. She went there. Right. I mean, you, you can't say enough about that great school. I mean, in that university and what they've done for, for the, for the world of gardeners and farming and, and all of us who really benefit from all of that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So anything out there? we got a minute left. Nancy Canales has been my guest in for Doug and Jess today, along with Steve Rapaski, last hour, Bee Control of Pittsburgh. She's the Pennsylvania State Master Gardener Coordinator. Any issues out there that you want to make gardeners aware of? So the one thing I'm sure Doug and Jess have talked about this, and that's spotted lanternfly. 
It's not in Allegheny County yet, but um, it it's uh, in around Lancaster and Lebanon counties. It started in, this insect was brought over from Asia in Berks County, and it feeds on grapes and hops, our fruit trees, ornamental plants. And the thing about the spotted lanternfly is that it comes in mass. There will be hundreds of thousands of insects on your trees. It's a huge nuisance pest. So I think it's important for you all to be on the lookout for it. If you see the insect, please be sure you call the extension office, let us know so that we can send someone out to verify that it is here. Hopefully we can keep it at bay, but we really do need to have eyes on the ground, people looking for out. Please come back when Doug and Jess are here so I can actually enjoy, as opposed to actually having to ask you all these questions, okay? Sure, my pleasure. You have a lot of knowledge, a lot of good stuff. And uh, to everybody out there who's working on an island somewhere to make it more beautiful for neighborhoods like mine that are Penn State Master Gardeners, I want to say thank you to uh, all of you out there for your hard work and your diligence and your passion and love for what you do. And I want to thank you for getting up early and coming in here today. Thanks so much. It's been my pleasure. All right, Nancy. Have a great day, everyone. Nancy Canals, ladies and gentlemen. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 